And welcome, henchmen, back to another action-packed episode of the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu, brought to you by the villains of man, where myself, J.B.D., attempts to traverse the continuity of both of Marvel's most prolific martial artists in Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. If you want to check out the podcast and talk about what I'm covering, you check me over on Twitter at Deadly Kung Fu Pod. So today, uh, before we get started, uh, we received the tragic news that George Perez who had been battling cancer for the best, better part of probably half of a year, uh, passed away yesterday, which was uh, very devastating to everybody in the comic book community. George Perez is probably my favorite artist of all time. Uh, I've got comics signed by George Perez. I have original art that I have, you know, I had him draw for me at a convention, and uh, it's... So it's it's pretty upsetting. It's but it's not like you know when Stanley or you know somebody else in the community that you care about dies just suddenly. Um, this we were a bit more prepared for. We knew were coming. Uh, you know there was a thing with the Hero Initiative and the JLA Avengers crossover that they did, and uh, you know we were all expecting this. But still, it does not help the fact that George Perez is now gone um he did lend his hand and his artistic skills to the deadly hands of kung fu series uh in total he did 15 comics out of the 33 and most of them were sons of the tiger which he uh drew in issue 6 through 14 he did 16 and 17 and 19 through 21 and also in those 19 through 21 issues is the debut of white tiger which he also did draw both of those in issue 30 and he lent his uh illustrations to a poster of the characters in issue 22 so if uh, you're a huge george perez fan you're trying to be a completist uh you can look those books up so um i'm gonna give Go here and give a moment of silence for George Perez before we continue on. And uh, and if you're a fan of George like myself, um, I'm sorry, but uh, he's probably better off and in a better place. All right, so today here on Deadly podcast of kung fu we're going to cover a solo issue in master of kung fu which we're going to cover issue 32 which is called assault on an angry sea i wanted to give this one issue its own time excuse me instead of cramming it into the next three-part series i thought it was important that it got its own little time on the pod which would be short and sweet because it's actually a really good story so and i I just want to express that before i start but uh our creative team for it Issue 32, uh, the cover is Gil Kane and Mike Esposito. The writer is also Doug, as always. We know that Doug is always doing the Shang-Chi books. Uh, on pencils, we have the legendary Sal Busima, one of my other favorite artists, along with Mike Esposito, who also lends his art skills to the inks on the issue. We have colors by George Russos. Letters by Karen Mantelo, and our editor is the legendary Lynn Wayne. So let me uh, break down the issue for you here. It's a peaceful day of rest after thwarting Velcro Carlton's heroin operation. While Shang-Chi meditates in front of a beautiful fountain, 
Blackjack Tar and Clive Riston discuss how calm and deadly he is in combat, but how naive and innocent he is to the world around them. They are interrupted as Sir Dennis Nayland Smith arrives with orders from London. Clive is to accompany Dr. Petrie on a flight back while he, Blackjack Tar, and Shang Chi are to travel by ship to protect and make contact with an unknown ally. There was a leak of important documents they are carrying on the ship, and the enemy organizations are now on the hunt for the agent. While boarding, Shang-Chi meets a lovely blind woman named Therese Beswick, or Terry as she goes by, while Smith and Black meet with a captain who isn't too happy about having taken high classrooms from paying passengers. On the way to the rooms, they spot various men who they believe are enemies looking for their unknown agent. Seeing how many there could possibly be, they decide to stay put and rest until dinner is served that evening. In the dining area, the trio believes Terry might be their agent, so Shang-Chi invites her over to join them. The brief start of a discussion between her and Smith is cryptic until it is interrupted by someone being attacked outside in the fog of an approaching storm. As Shang-Chi intervenes and is forced to save the man who was thrown overboard, he allows the attackers to flee to discover it is one of the men that the trio first seen when boarding the ship. As a captain demands to know what is going on, the trio finds it was all a distraction to capture Terry. Smith has taken the captain to search the entire ship for the attackers and the woman. After an all-night search, they come up empty-handed as the storm begins to set in. As Smith and Black discuss the situation, Shang sneaks off to find Terry himself and heads towards the captain's quarters, only to be ambushed by the attackers. After dispatching them with the help of Black Jack Tar, they find the captain and his men dead. Beaten, they confess that the real captain's men were captured back in France and some of their crew had been replaced. Shang-Chi runs off to check on the man he had saved, only to find a group of masked men now breaking into his quarters. As he pleads that he is not some agent, Shang-Chi takes out and squares off with the woman among the group. Noticing the blood on her knives as she draws them, our hero quickly brings her down, the captain's killer, who he reveals to be Terry. Smith quickly identifies her as a known KGB agent. With all the killer captured, the man continues to plead that he's not an agent, confusing and infuriating Black Jack Tar. That is when Smith reveals he was the agent they were looking for, and this was all a ruse. The documents were fake, hidden in a life preserver to draw out enemies so they could be captured. As Terry and her men are locked away, she apologizes to Shang-Chi, claiming that her actions did not reflect her personal feelings. As he walks away realizing he is losing focus on himself, Terry tells him that she hopes they will one day talk again. Like I said, a nice little story for a little one-shot issue, and I really didn't want to skip it over or cram it in with the rest of the story. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to hear from Anchor. When we get back, I'm going to discuss the pros and cons of Assault on an Angry Sea. And welcome back to the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu with myself, JVD. Um, let's talk about here Assault on an Angry Sea. So, we're basically continuing these James Bond espionage story arcs, which uh, I enjoyed this better than the previous three part story with Velcro, uh, which is just kind of the break in between what's this and the next one that's coming. Uh, the only thing that this one shot really suffers from is it's not long enough, and there's a lot of lack of details. and. I wish that there was as much effort put into this story as there were the one in front of it and the one that I've already read behind it. So, uh, and it just made me an issue too. Like these are all three part story arcs. I don't know why this isn't one either. Um, 
So and it would have made this really, really, really good. So uh, they're traveling from Marseillaise, France to London, England by boat, which apparently is like a cruise liner or a small cruise pleasure luxury ship, whatever. So, you know, for them to go all the way around France, which I think, no, I think Spain is, cause I, I don't know. I'm not knowing uh, European geography, but um, that's at least got to be like a 24-hour like drive. I mean, well, I guess sail, uh, voyage. There we go, voyage. Uh, maybe a little more than a day. So there was a really long time to explore these instead of like where they go over the part where like, oh, well, they spent all night searching the ship for Terry. You know, there's a lot that could be done in that time. So, uh, and the biggest question here is... Um, we know the original, there's these original attackers, but who are they? They uh, they confessed they took the captain and his crew spot, but um, once they're confined to the ship, which Smith says will interrogate them later, we never learn who they are. It hurts a story. It's one of these constant issues with these masters of kung fu and the deadly hands of kung fu. There's important things that have no name. They have nothing to connect you to as a reader. And the story suffers from it. Uh, but instead of speeding the story up, we could have seen the brawl between these guys and the captain's crew. Or maybe the KGB agents. Uh, that would have been a perfect time to reveal that the captain, like, when they're dying because they're fighting Terry and her men. You know, like, he radios the original attackers that we see in the first of the book. And that would re reveal why they were going over there and they ambushed Shang-Chi before they found out the captain was dead. So, um, you know, that would have been really cool. They could have been a separate group that attacked Shang-Chi to add more to this espionage agent thing. So, um, but that's the thing. We never find out who they are. We never find out what country they work for. So we just know that they're enemy agents. I mean, they could have been anything. Hydra, The Hand anything like which i don't think the hand was around at this time but any anything to name them to put them to an organization instead of just being random people would have made a lot more sense it made the story a little bit better so um the only entire enemy named in this one shot is terry and when we meet her uh you get details to show you that something is off but it's easily overlooked first she claims to be blind but walks with no cane and instead stumbles to board the ship with two large luggage cases. And um, and if you're a fan of Marvel and if you're paying attention to this, you should know if she's blind. She's scary cane. We all know who Daredevil is, right? So, and even in the dining room area, she has no cane. Yet, no one mentions this. Smith doesn't mention it. Blackjack Tar never mentions it. And Shang-Chi just never says anything. But then again, when you think about who he is and maybe the things he's seen. Maybe he's used to blind people finding their way around. But still, if Black Jack Tar and Sir Dennis Nayland Smith are such great agents, that's something they probably should have pointed out. So next, um, when Shang-Chi meets her, uh, she never gives their name to her. We never find out that she's Terry when they first meet. But she says, I believe you said your name was Shang-Chi. And he confirms it before he leaves but he never tells her his name she just assumes it's him so there's these little details in the beginning that show you that she's not who she says she is but you're so caught up in like i guess 
why would you question the blind person when we know there's enemies about? And, and it kind of throws you off if you don't pay attention. It caught me. So, uh, you know, it fooled me. So, um, so the dinner scene is where you really get uh, off the trail. There is this dialogue between her and Smith about why she's on the ship. Uh, he asks her if her main objective is to reach England or is it just there for luxury. Terry answers that it depends on what happens during the voyage. And then next, she's the agent. They're thinking she's agent and she gets kidnapped. So that really baits you in. It makes you not realize or even think about her being this big spy. So they do a really good job here, of the team does, about making you think that she's actually a good guy or someone you should care for, like an innocent bystander. Um, so during the brief fight with uh, Shang-Chi and her and I guess the other KGB agents, uh, they do an excellent job as not to reveal one of the masked men to be female until right before Terry fights her. Uh, the fight itself is a big missed opportunity for not being drawn out. Uh, I love a good drawn out Shang-Chi fight since I've been reading these. And um, Shang was very concerned about Terry and did nothing but look for her. So they could have really played this up. And, uh, you know, to not wanting to hurt him, but due to him be being a caring person. And then when Shang-Chi refuses, she could plead with him while trying to force him out of the way. You know, you could have really played up on Shang-Chi's personal feelings here. And uh, that would have made her words at the end about wanting to talk to him again be more heartfelt. And, you know, and hopefully, maybe, we'll see her in later issues. Uh, the subplot here of Shang-Chi's mentality and how his goals compare and contrast to Sir Dennis Nayland's missions uh, continue in this one issue. And they're really, really... Uh, they're not forced, but you have to pay attention to what's going on in the story here. Um, it's all laid out in the beginning, and it's during Shang-Chi's meditation with Black, Jack Tar, and Clive Reston, and how they're talking about he's focused during fighting, and he's naive to the real world, which is a huge issue for the hero. Um, when Smith tells them of the plan, Shang-Chi realizes he's missed something, but forgets why when he sees the woman in need, this blind woman, right? And uh, it's why I think Terry is purposely depicted with that of Cain, which I was just mentioning. See Shang-Chi, he sees the helpless needing aid and doesn't focus on the details in the world that he's been thrown into. He doesn't realize that, hey, I'm in this world with enemy agents that could kill me or ambush me and not be who I think they are. I just see Percy in, in need and I go help them. Um, and then after discovering Terry is a KGB agent at the end, this is when Shang-Chi realizes he should have known what she was. Um, it's the exact same way with Sandy in Giant Size Master Kung Fu number 2. You can check that out on episode 13. Uh, the deeper he's into the world of espionage, the more he is out of his element. And this is the really good weakness of Shang-Chi. Kick-ass fighter. No one can defeat him. He's almost invincible in hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's his naivety to the world around him that defeats him. It's really, really good. And uh, as a reader, it's a great contrast to the superhero. And I really, really love it. He can defeat you physically. He can beat you down. But it all leads to mental and emotional defeat when he's fooled. I love it. It's, it's great. But well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this one-shot Assault on an Angry Sea. You can check out 
the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu over on Twitter. At Deadly Kung Fu Pod, you can check out myself on my personal account over at Villains Man. If you want to talk to me, JVD. If you like to Villains Man, you can check out Facebook. Uh, you can check us out with our music, Rushing Tiger by Kuro over at SoundCloud. I'm sure he would really appreciate it. But uh, in the end, guys, please remember to support your old comic book shops. Today of this recording, it is Free Comic Book Day 2022. Um, please go show your respects to George Perez on whatever social media that you use. I know that you can really keep up with uh, his family on Facebook and Twitter. They're always talking about him. And remember, keep reading comics, guys. Uh! Uh!